Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Welcome to Faith in the Zone, a show about sports and faith, how the two come together and lives being touched. Right now, discover how people in sports walk in faith with host Mike McGivern and Pastor Ken Keltner. On 1250 AM, The Fan. Welcome to Faith in the Zone on 1250 AM. The fan, I'm Mike McGivern, flying solo again this week. Like I said for a year and a half, cannot wait to get Pastor Ken Keltner back in studio with me. And that's coming up soon. So doing this show for eight years, uh, I can tell you there's been a number of guys I've had on the show that I've said, look, I, I was doing some of the same stuff they were doing, and when when I finally made that decision to fall to my knees and say, Lord, I can't do this on my own anymore, he met me right where I was at. It's not like I had to go out and do all these good works in order to join his family. And I, and I thank him every single day for that. And this next guest, and, and I'm a huge fan. Look, I'm a big baseball guy. And and the, the the name Bernie Carbo to me was like, man, all I knew was I loved watching this guy play baseball. I Look, I know exactly where I was when he hit the home run in the eighth inning and then Carlton Fisk came and hit the home run in, in probably the what people say the best baseball game of all time. That's what Pete Rose said. And Bernie Carbo was a guy that I just, man, I adored the way he played. And so when I got a chance, and, and I want to thank uh, Pastor Noonan. He, he he just has been a godsend uh, for us. And and he reached out and said, hey, look, we're, get, we're having Bernie Carbo come in to Faith Baptist in Oak Creek for a couple of days in August. Do you have any interest? And I said, are you kidding me? Yeah, I, I, I would love to talk to him for Faith in the Zone. So we are joined for the entire hour by Bernie Carbo, former Major League Baseball player. And and look, you know the name because the guy was an unbelievable baseball player, but you might not know his backstory. And we are now joined by Bernie Carbo. Bernie, how you doing, sir? Hey, Mike. How you doing? Uh, 
first and foremost, uh, I want to thank my Lord for his faithfulness uh, throughout my life. Amen. Uh, before I even was born, uh, he loved me deeply and he had a plan for my life. And uh, from the beginning to now, I, I believe that God had an understanding of what I had to go through uh, as a child and growing up in uh, a world of baseball and the life that I lived and now the life I have that, uh, you know, it's not how you start, it's how you finish. Well, I, I, I thank God for that, Bernie. I know you do as well because, you know what, there were some, some moments in my life, and I know we're going to get into yours because I, I, have, I have dug deep into to your life. And, and thank you for the recommendation um, to go on, on ESPN or YouTube and watch the interview that you did um, outside the lines on ESPN because it was, a, it was an unbelievable eye-opening um, 10 minutes for me. Because, again, where I had you, and you're still on this whole pedestal, and maybe even higher than you were as a baseball player in my life, but I didn't know the things you were going through. And we're going to get to those things throughout this show. But I'm wondering if we can start where you're a Michigan boy, and wondering where you grew up in Michigan, and talk a little bit about your journey to get into baseball. Well, you know, um, my dad was uh, a great baseball player, played for the St. Louis Browns. Uh, World War II came, and then he married my mother, and the Giants wanted to sign him, but uh, just wasn't enough for him to leave the family and go play baseball. So um, my grandparents from, were from Spain and came to New York, and they were Masons, and then they moved to West Virginia where they worked in the coal mines. And my dad worked in the coal mines and traveled in a circus, really. Uh, he was a boxer. And then we moved to Detroit, and I lived on, on Fort Street and by Higgins High uh, Higgins School, and I played in the playground all the time. And that street was all the Spanish people were living on that street. And then they all moved, and we moved to uh, Westland, Anchor Township, Livonia, and I graduated from Livonia Franklin High School in 65. But my, he lived right by Edward Hines Park. And we were only five houses from the park, and he would give us a bus a bucket of balls, and he said, you go play in the park. And uh, I didn't play my first game uh, in Little League until I was 11 years old, but we played in the park from day to night, and we played every sport. We played hockey, basketball, football, whatever it may be. But uh, we, um, I remember my first game in Little League. Um, there were no fences in the park we were playing, and I hit the ball. And I slid in the second, I slid in the third, slid in the home. And my first at bat, I hit a home run. I still don't know where the ball went. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I started at 11 years old. And then we moved to, like I said, to Edward Hines Park. And I played all day and night. And then I played Little League. And I played Middle School. And I played Babe Ruth, American League, Legion, and High School. And Bill Joy was a scout. And he lived five, five miles from my home. And we became very friendly. Uh, he was a scout for Cincinnati, played for the Dodgers. Bill LaJoy was a GM, too, for the Detroit Tigers, and I was a Tiger fan. But he watched me since I was a kid. And in 1965 was the first year of the draft. Uh, I was drafted number 16th, first draft choice by Cincinnati, ahead of Johnny Bench, believe it or not. And uh, I started playing baseball when I was 17 years old. So wow. it was a road. It was a journey. And at 17 years old, playing with men, uh, I went to Tampa. Uh, McGorry, Steve McGorry was my 
my roommate. We didn't have a car. We didn't have a TV. It was just, just that was terrible. But then uh, by the age of 19, uh, I was alcoholic. And by 19, I was an alcoholic. And then, then it was just downhill. And, you know, at 17 years old, I should have had a guardian with me at 17, playing with guys that are 23, 24 and older. And uh, I know the first three years in the minor leagues were very difficult for me, and they wanted to make me into a pitcher. Chief Bender, who was the uh, minor league director, said, you need to pitch. You, you're not hitting too well. Uh, but then Sparky Anderson got a hold of me, and uh, he made me a man and had me at the ballpark from 9 o'clock in the morning till. 11, 12 o'clock, and then we had lunch at his house, and he had me back out there at three chasing fly balls. And he made me into a ball player. He saw something in me, and then we went to instructional baseball, and he was just like a father to me. The family was really great, and he believed in me. So then 69, uh, I was minor league player of the year. I hit 359, and Sparky got the job in Cincinnati, and now I'm in the big league. So 1970. Wow. Uh, I was Sporting News Rookie of the Year. And then, of course, Michael, I got myself in a lot of trouble because I held out. Uh, I told Marvin Miller at the time that he was the uh, minor league, uh, no, he was a union leader, and he was going to take Kirk Flood because Flood didn't want to be traded to Philadelphia. He wanted to play wherever he wanted to play. So I was not negotiating. I wasn't getting a raise. I was going to play for the minimum salary after being 40 News Rookie of the Year. And I told Marvin Miller that I wanted to fight the cause and I wanted to play wherever I wanted to play. My dad could work wherever he wanted. But he said I was too young. I was a first-year player. He said, we won't be able to do that. And spring training was coming to an end. And Dick Houseman called me in the office and he said, you need to sign this contract. And I said, well, you signed me for 30000 when I was a kid. Why don't you give me 30000 now? He said, no, you'll sign for 15000 oh. And that was pretty much the minimum salary. And I said, you know, I wanted to be a baseball player all my life. And uh, he said, you can go home and carry a lunch bucket like your dad. And he said, I said my dad doesn't have anything to do with this. It's me. I, I don't want to go home. I want to play baseball. He says, well, you're going home to carry a lunch bucket like your dad because I'm not giving you any more money. <clears throat> so I said again, I said, you know, I'm worth that $30,000 because if I was 17 and never played a day of pro call, you should give me that because I'm Sporting News Rookie of the Year, played in the World Series, and I was the fifth highest batter in the, in the National League. And he said again, go home and carry a lunch bucket like your dad. And I dragged him across the table and I beat him up. <laughs> And, uh, I mean, I literally beat him up. And when I left, he said, you'll never play another game in baseball. And I never told anybody about that. I just went home and didn't think much of it. But um, that year, in, year in uh, 71, I didn't have any spring training. I had a terrible year. And then the next year, he didn't give me any money again, and I held out. And they wanted to send me down to the minor leagues. And I said, no, I'm not going down to the minor leagues. I'll quit. So they traded me to the St. Louis Cardinals. Again, I had no spring training, but at least I went to Cardinals and I was playing. And I got, next year I went to spring training, had a good year, and then traded to Boston. And then in 75, I hit the greatest home run as a pinch hitter. And then in 76, 
I signed a contract, no trade, and took up just a normal contract. And I was traded to Milwaukee Brewers. And uh, Milwaukee, I was supposed to show up in 72 hours, but I took, I took 22 days to show up. And Alex Grammis was one of my friends and a great manager. And when I and Bud Selig, I mean, he took care of me. My wife was pregnant with my third baby. Uh, he found a, a nurse, a place for us to live. He had the hospital, had the doctor. He moved everything for me, everything, my dogs and my kids. And I had two kids at that time. Tamara was born in Wisconsin. And when I sat down, my locker was right next to Hank Aaron. Oh, my goodness. And I was like, I'm sitting next to the greatest baseball player that I've ever seen play. And I'm sitting there. And I'm in awe and just listening to him talk about hitting and how you hold the bat, what you look for. And I thought, man, this is really good. And then Daryl Johnson gets fired, and I get into an argument with Alex Grammis, and I go home, and um, Zimmer calls me and says, I just took over the Red Sox. Do you want to play in Boston? I said, yeah, I'd love to come back to Boston. He said, well, I'm going to trade for you next year. I'm going to trade for you in the winter. You know, just keep your mouth shut and, you know, everything will be okay. Then I went to Boston and played really well and then went to uh, went to Cleveland, which I should have stayed. And then I went to um, the St. Louis Cardinals and then I went to Pittsburgh and went to Detroit and, and then I got released. And, uh, you know, then my mom, my mom, really short, my mom, my mom commits suicide uh, my dad died two months later. I go through a divorce. Uh, I'm contemplating suicide. And um, Bill Lee, spaceman Bill Lee calls me. Ferguson Jenkins calls me. Um, so baseball assistant team, same dog calls me. And next day I'm in rehab. And, of course, I uh, deny that I have any problem and I don't want to be in rehab. And I have an anxiety attack and end up in the hospital. And there's an old man sitting next to me, and uh, I get a telephone call from rehab, and he looks at me. He said, you're an alcoholic and drug addict. I'm like, well, you shouldn't listen to my conversation. And he said, do you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? I was like, I don't even know who Jesus is. I know I get in a lot of trouble when I use his name in vain. Amen. Uh, yeah, my dad, mom and dad never went to church. We didn't believe in God. And he said, come over and sit next to me. He said, you know, you're a born sinner. And I went, no, I'm a good guy. My dad's a good guy. My grandpa, you know, they, uh, they have their own problems and everything. He said, no, you were born with a sin nature at first Adam. And you have to realize that God had a plan for your life. And that plan is Jesus Christ. I said, well, I don't know much about Jesus. He said, well, he's God, he's man, and he died for your sins, Bernie. And he was died on the cross, his blood was shed, he was, he was buried, and he rose on the third day, and he ascended into heaven. Hey, you have to believe that he's God, yeah, and he's, he's the Lord of your life. He has to be the Lord, and repent of your sins. I said, I don't know anything about that. And he said, you need to pray. The Holy Spirit will bring you to the Lord. God has a plan. And about three days later, I looked at him. I said, I don't, I don't know what I need to do. He said, I said, about... Dalton Jones, three, four years ago, I prayed a prayer, but I didn't know what it was all about. I said, but tell me what this is about. And he explained the gospel of Jesus and started reading scripture. 
And on that third day, the Holy Spirit fell on me, and I took Christ into my life. Hey, Bernie, we're gonna Bernie. I'm gonna we're gonna get to a quick break, and I'm sorry to have to stop it right there. But but this is perfect for radio because we're gonna keep everybody for segment two. He is Bernie Carbo, guys. I'm, I'm telling you that I, I just cannot wait to continue this this interview. He's coming to Fat, uh, Faith Baptist Church in Oak Creek on uh, Wednesday, August 18th is the day we're gonna talk mostly about. But he's also gonna be here on the 17th, and we'll get to that, and we'll continue with his testimony on the other side of the break. We're also going to talk about a book he's written that I'm going to highly recommend you pick up. Again, he is Bernie Carbo. He is our guest for the entire hour. This is Faith in the Zone on 1250 AM, The Fan. More now of Faith in the Zone, discovering people in sports and their walk in faith. Faith in the Zone is brought to you by Brookside Baptist Church. Back with host Mike McGivern and Pastor Ken Keltner on 1250 AM, The Fan. Welcome back to Faith in the Zone on 1250 AM. The fan, I'm Mike McGivern. And if you listen to the first segment, you understand why I'm so excited to have Bernie Carbo be our guest on Faith in the Zone. Before we get back to his story, um, a couple of things. He's coming to town. And he's going to be over at Faith Baptist Church in Oak Creek. And Pastor Noonan has just been extremely kind with his time and allowing us to, 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 to talk about the events that they have coming up on Wednesday, August 18th. This is a free event, 4.30 Hitting Clinic with Bernie Carbo, 5.30 Barbecue, grab something to eat, and then 6.30, hear his life story. And then he's bringing his book, and we haven't gotten to the book yet, but the name of the book is Saving Bernie Carbo. And it's a story of victory. It really is. And it's a free event. The book, you're going to have to pay for the book, but he's willing to autograph the book for anybody who buys the book there at that event. He'll shake your hand, look you right in the eye, ask you how you're doing, and sign your book for you when you buy the book Saving Bernie Carbo. If you can't get to that event, go on Amazon. Just Google the book Saving Bernie Carbo, and you can see it. You can buy it. Um, But I would really recommend that on the 18th to get over to Faith Baptist on South 13th Street in Oak Creek. The other part, if you're a baseball coach listening to this and you want to get involved in a hitting clinic for your staff and a few of your players, Bernie's willing to put one on on the 17th of August. And the way you get involved in that is you give Pastor Noonan a call over at Faith Baptist Church again in Oak Creek, 414 301-9319. 301-9319. Uh, Pastor Noonan would uh, would help you all get you involved in that hitting clinic with Bernie Carbo. Bernie, we we left off the first segment um, where you were in a rehab facility and and there was a guy there that that asked you if you knew anything about Jesus Christ. And he sure you rolled your eyes a little bit and said, "I don't know much about him." A couple of days later, you guys talked again, and I think that's kind of where where we left off that first segment. And I, I got to believe that's where your life changed. 
Well, actually, uh, I wasn't in rehab. I had anxiety attack in rehab, and they thought I was having a heart attack, and I ended up at Tampa University Hospital. And this is where the gentleman gave me the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then the third day, I prayed to take Christ into my life. And as I was being wheeled out, I asked him, I said, what is your name? He said, my name's not important, the name of Jesus, and handed me my first Bible. And as I was being wheeled out, I asked the nurse, I said, who is that man? She said, he's the Baptist preacher. So God put me with a Baptist preacher. And I always tell people, I said, if I was an alcoholic and a drug addict and a liar and a thief and dying and just stinky as I was and so bad as I was as a sinner, would you have told me the gospel of Jesus Christ? Would you have told me that you need to believe and repent and believe that God died for you, that your sins could be covered by the blood of Christ, you could be forgiven, and you could have eternal life? And that's one of the things I say. But as I got back into rehab, a gentleman came over to me and said he was a Christian. Uh, he said, I'm going to disciple you in the name of Jesus. And then three months later, I went. I left uh, I left rehab, and I met Carl Schillings, and we started the Diamond Club Baseball, Diamond Club Ministries to teach baseball, and he left. He left uh, 14 months later and went to Westland College to be a coach, and I relapsed being by myself. I relapsed for three weeks, and I had a Christian psychiatrist who I went to see, and he says, you need to pray to find a good Christian woman. And as I prayed, I went to a place called the Anchor House with a boy, and I met Tammy Carbo. And uh, Tammy Young came up, and I said, God told me you need to be with me. And she said, God hadn't told me anything yet. And she had a 12-year-old son, and we uh, were married four months later. And he came to me and wanted me to adopt him, and now he's in the Army. He's a major. Uh, he's a psychologist. My wife's a psychologist. So... The journey as a Christian has been very difficult. Um, it's a journey that uh, it's not how you finish, it's how you end. Uh, being a Christian, it was very hard. Um, it was difficult for me to read the Word, get into the Word, being in church and fellowshipping and going to Bible studies and reading the Bible and praying and everything else. So that relapse uh, was very difficult, but now I've been clean for 26 years. Uh, by the grace of God, by the mercy of God. Amen. But the thing is that being a baseball player and learning what you have to do to be good at what you're doing and winning, uh, you know, you make so many outs and you get a few hits and whatever. But the Christian, you get the Christian life, you get knocked down. You get knocked down, you got to get back up, take another step forward. And, you know, you may relapse like I did or whatever, but you got to get back up. And, and, you know, sometimes you stand on the truth and you're by yourself, but Jesus Christ is with you, and he's my strength through the Holy Spirit and the Word of God and the Gospel. So it's, uh, Mike, as you know, um, it's an everyday um, thing that goes on. We have to renew our minds, and uh, we have to be strong in our hearts. He gives us a, we're reborn, and we fight the flesh, the mind, the eyes, the mouth, and the ears, the, the world, and whatever, but... It's uh, victory is eternal life, and so the gospel is very important to me. Hey, hey Bernie, can I can I uh, kind of step back a little bit? And and when I watched that um, that ESPN special, the thing that that obviously people are just amazed at is is you you made a comment. You said, "Look, I I I didn't play a, a baseball game um, sober." 
and and you talked about some of the things you would do before um, you got to the stadium. What you what you did when you when you got to the stadium, and it 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 made me a little bit sad because I've got to believe that there are special moments all through your career that maybe you don't have the the, the fondest of memories, or you don't look back and say, man. When I hit that home run or when I made this catch or when our team won here, it was such a big moment for me professionally. But but I'm wondering at that moment, are you just thinking about getting out of the stadium and, and going and, and, and doing what you do? Well, one of the things that happens without Jesus Christ and without the Holy Spirit, without the Word, without church, with accountability, loving God and everything, I was completely lost in the world, and when I hit the home run in the 75 World Series and all the great things I did in my baseball career, that was the highlight. I mean, my first time up in Little League, I hit a home run. My first time in the big leagues, I hit a home run. My first hit in the World Series was a home run. I hit one of the greatest pinch hit home runs, and I'm laying in my bed crying and hating baseball and just, just discouraged and everything else, but when... I wanted to die, and, and God brought me right out of the grave and pulled me out of the grave, and he restored my life to look back and see me as a child growing up in my career and showing me the great things that happened in my career. I mean, God showed me I was playing with Pete Rose, Johnny Bench, Joe Morgan, and then I went to the Cardinals and played with Joe Torrey, Ted Simmons, who's going into the Hall of Fame, Lou Brock, Bob Gibson, Kyle Yastrzemski, you know, going to Milwaukee, sitting next to Hank Aaron, playing against Willie Starge or Clemente. And, and God showed me the love that I had for the game. He restored all that. But, you know, at the age of 19, when a lady said to me at a restaurant, which I, I went to every morning, she says, you know you're an alcoholic. And by the time I was 21, I was smoking dope. And by the age of 22, I was doing cocaine, crystal meth, stepping pills, and doing everything, just trying to fill the void of, of just wanting to be accepted, be loved, and caught into a world that I wasn't, you know, accomplishing and doing what I needed to do. I was so bitter and angry and had so much pain and hurt in my life. And it's just um, it, a lot of things were going on, and I didn't know what to do. And I was young, and as I grew a little older, then I just didn't want to live any longer. And I was about ready to commit suicide and die. And God pulled me right out of the grave. And then throughout the years, even in my rehab, and uh, and then being clean for 14 months and, rel- and then relapsed for three weeks, it was the worst thing that's ever happened in my life. And meeting Tammy, of course, and my son, and uh, just praying and praying and praying and asking God for all the things. But God restored the love of baseball and the love of the game. And, you know, what I do is, you know, I played for the Cardinals, and Sam Musial uh, was the best National League hitter uh, in, at, in the times of the 50s and 60s. And I asked Sam Musial, I said, Musial, how do you hit that slider? And he said, well, Bernie, you see it and you hit it. And then I get traded over to Boston, and I asked Ted Williams, I said, you're the best hitter in the American League. You hit 406. What do you do? And he says, well, you see the ball, get a good pitch, and hit it hard. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, that's pretty simple. So really, as uh, I found in the Christian world, you put Jesus in, you know, I, I never can take Jesus off, uh, off my eye. I have to look at, be looking at with Jesus, having Christ in me, having the Word in me, being in church and fellowshipping and 
walking the walk. And uh, when I fail and fall short of glory of God, I can go to God and say, give me strength. How do I overcome? How do I love? I want to know how to love. I want to know how to love people. I want to love my wife. I want to be a good husband. I want to be humble. I want to have wisdom and understanding. I want trust and to be in your will. And I want to have peace and understanding. I want to live my life in happiness and gladness and joy and rejoicing in my Lord. So these were all processes, like when you're 11 years old playing my first Little League game, going into the big league, I played instructional baseball and played 350 games a, a year. I mean, I played a lot of baseball. And when I failed, it was because of the choices I made. And what happens is you're going to fail in the Christian world, but you got to get back up and understand. And I think that I find that church is very important to me. Um, I have to be in a good church, worshiping and putting the Lord. The Lord is my Lord, Jesus Christ, and that's how I live. But uh, like that question you asked, you know, one of the things that God does is restores my life. Amen. Restores that joy and happiness and love that I had uh, for all things. And uh, when you get to a point with the drugs and the alcohol and in the world and living without Christ, you eventually that joy and that laughter and all that and the drugs and everything else, you're going to end up in death. I know that. We're going to get to a break. A couple of things. On the other side of break, I'm going to talk to Bernie Carbo about writing this book. And, and let me just give you a couple of quick quotes. First, Bill Lee. And, and look, if you're a baseball guy, you know all about Bill Lee. And on the back of his book, he says, look, my great friend Bernie Carbo uh, has written a terrific book. He was my favorite player and teammate and one of the best clutch hitters I've ever seen. And with the help of, of another writer, the book examines and then reveals his complex and at times troubled life. And so when you pick this book up, understand that this is the, the name of the book is Saving Bernie Carbo. The other part that I wanted to read, and this is from, from Dr. Gregory Ponce, Senior Pastor, First Baptist, Tillman's Corner in Mobile, Alabama. And he says, look, th- this book... It is a book, a story of redemption, forgiveness, and hope in Jesus Christ. I hope you'll read the story, even, uh, but even more, I wish you'd have the opportunity to know Bernie Carbo personally. That's the, the, on the back of the book, that's Dr. Gregory Ponce. Now, you do have a chance to meet Bernie Carbo. And, and when he says on the back of the book, look, this is what this book is about, but if you had a chance to meet this man in person, please take advantage of it. Well, he'll be at fa- first Faith Baptist, excuse me, Faith Baptist Church in Oak Creek, and Wednesday the 18th is the best opportunity. 4.30 hitting clinic, 5.30 barbecue with Bernie. Go over there, have something to eat. 6.30, listen to his life story and get a chance to pick this book up and then have Bernie sign it. Go up and shake his hand. Say, Bernie, thank you so much. I'd love to buy this book, and if you could autograph it for me, I, I certainly would appreciate it. It's a free event that they are putting on, Pastor Noonan and his staff at Faith Baptist Church in Oak Creek. Other side of the, the, the break, we're going to ask him about writing this book, and at the end of this, I'm going to ask him to pick one uniform out of the closet. All the teams he's ever played for, from his days back in Detroit and back in Michigan to playing for the Brewers or for the Pittsburgh Pirates or certainly the Boston Red Sox, what uniform would you put on and what game would you play? We'll ask him near the end of the show. He is Bernie Carbo. This is Faith in the Zone. On 1250 AM, The Fan. On 1250 AM, The Fan. I'm just a nobody. 
Welcome back to Faith in the Zone on 1250 AM, The Fan. I'm Mike McGivern, our special guest on Faith in the Zone for the entire hour. Former Major League Baseball player. And look, look up his stats, man. He was an, an exceptional baseball player, big-time hitter, gotten big hits throughout his career. And this is a story of redemption. And it's a story of hope and a story of love. And look, we again, I talk about this kind of stuff a lot on Faith in the Zone. But when 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 you when it's time and you know it, you, you fall to your knees and you say, Lord, I can't do this anymore. I need your help. He will meet you right where you're at. And if he's willing to open his door and allow me into his family and Bernie into his family and some of the other guys we've had on Faith in the Zone, some of you guys that talk to me about Faith in the Zone all the time, I, I don't know what you're waiting for, boys. I just don't know what you're waiting for. And I'll have that conversation with you. But better yet, have it with Bernie. Go over it. Go over to this church, uh, Faith Baptist Church in Oak Creek, on Wednesday the 18th. You have time, August 18th. Hitting clinic at 4:30. Have something to eat with Bernie, and then listen to his story, and then buy this book, Saving Bernie Carbo, because it's a book. And I started going through it. It's funny, and it and it uh, you know what tells some great baseball things. But at the heart of it, what saved Bernie's life? Because I I don't I I don't think I'm speaking out of turn, Bernie. I'm not sure. Had you not done that, that you would still be with us today? Um, yes. Um, you know, if I didn't go to rehab, have an anxiety attack, and end up the hospital with the pastor giving me the gospel of Jesus Christ and then turning my life over, and then with being with Carl Schillings and started a Diamond Club ministry to teach baseball, he left, and I relapsed, and I met Tammy. Um, and then I, you know, uh, she was a strong believer. I had to be the spiritual leader, get into work, go to church and do all the things, but it, it's a journey and it's everybody's journey. It's how you finish. But, uh, the book, uh, Peter Hansen's, uh, in 1975 came to a banquet and sat at my table and we became friends for about 20 years. And he says, I'd like to write your book. So I went to his house and stayed with him for about two months and, we wrote a book, and he's a professor at Low Mass. Uh, he teaches psychology, and he uses my book that he wrote. Sounds kind of bad, but he uses my book for the last nine years, and over 3,000 students have read my book. Wow. And uh, he puts his taste on it. But it was uh, a, a thing of, you know, in, in baseball, you know, I was really fortunate that ESPN, outside the lines, did the Bernie Carbo story, and then... 700 Club has done two stories on me, and uh, I've been fortunate to travel all over the country and all over the world and telling people about Jesus and giving the gospel. So uh, the book is uh, a story that uh, will touch your heart. There's a lot of good stuff and funny stuff and good stuff, but yeah, it's uh, it's a life that uh, 
it was a tough life for me, but I'm happy now. I'm doing what I love, and I'm in North Carolina. So, Michael, uh, the book is a good read. And like I said, uh, Peter, uh, uh, once in a while I'll call him, and he'll be online doing uh, his class, and I'll say hello to the class, and they'll ask me a few questions, and I answer it. But the book's a good read, and uh, believe it or not, it's kind of it's gone. The years have gone by fast since we wrote it, so. But it is. It's a good read, and it helps people understand that no matter what you're going through in your life, it doesn't matter. You need Jesus Christ. You need the gospel. And you have to believe and have faith and repent. And God gives you eternal life, and he can rebuild your life through the Word of God and church and accountability. But, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's a good book, so go ahead and read it. It's a nice story. Hey, Bernie, you know what's uh, what, uh, it, kind of funny to me is, is, you know, I've done a lot of research and, and looking up different uh, aspects of your life, and, and certainly the home run that we've talked about. Um, it, it's funny because everybody that, that I keep reading that was, that was on the field or part of that actual game, guys like, you know, Pete Rose and Johnny Bench and, 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 and guys that everybody knows as baseball players all said the same thing about the swing prior to you hitting the home run. And I'm reading it right now. And Johnny Bench said, look, that might have been the worst swing I've ever seen. He looked like, it looked like a little leaguer trying to learn how to hit. And the next swing, he looks like Ted Williams and he hits one out. And I watched that the, the tape of that pitch prior to you hitting it out. And man, you just got a piece of that thing. And I'll tell you what, it was it was a defensive swing, and you did get a piece of it, and then you launched one to tie that game up. But it's funny that there, everybody's got something to say about the swing prior to you hitting that home run. Yeah, you know, it's unbelievable when um, Daryl Johnson said, go up and hit, and I said, I'm not going to hit. Get Juan Benicus, uh, you know, because he's going to go to Will McEnany, the left-hander. I'm a left-handed hitter. Sparky manages by the book, you know. So when I got up there, I looked at Bench, and I said, I'm hitting. He says, yeah, we're going to come right after you. I went, wait a minute. Uh-oh. I looked over to Sparky, and he was at the top of the bench. I stepped back. I said, oh, he's going to come out. But I wasn't ready to hit, and I took the ball right out of Bench's glove, the worst swing in the history of baseball. Rico Pesciotti looked, looked like a pitcher trying to learn how to hit. <laughs> and Pete Rose said, that's worse than that. And what happened was the umpire, called it a ball and bench was arguing that was a strike and I just dribbled it and I thought oh my goodness I almost struck out but the next swing I hit the ball to center field and I'm rounding second I saw Geronimo turn his back and I'm yelling at Pete Rose when I realize it's a home run I'm saying hey Pete man that's hey don't you wish you were this strong Pete don't you wish you were this strong and Pete was yelling back man this is the greatest game Bernie this is a lot of fun this is the greatest game and it was a great game, and after the game, uh, like I said, I was in my bed crying like a baby. I said, you know, here I did something that was so great, but yet there was no peace in my life. There was no joy, no happiness, and I'm thinking, what is wrong? I've just hit the greatest home run I've ever hit in my life, and I'm just dying. And then the next game, I'm smoking dope, doing drugs and everything. I go to the ballpark, I'm out in center field, and and they come up and say, hey, man, you're leading off against Don Gullis. And he's the left-handed pitcher. And that first time up, I hit a ball probably harder than any of the two home runs I hit. And I thought that was going to be a home run. But you know what P. Rose said? He said, you know, you guys won game six and thought you won the World Series. And I told Sparky Anderson, 
this is the greatest game we've ever played. And he said, how can it be the greatest game we lost? He said, look, we know there's a game seven. They don't. <laughs> oh, man. That's, you know, that, and looking at this, estimated 71 million TV viewers, which is incredible. You know, prior to working for these radio stations, um, Bernie, I, I worked for a sports marketing company. We put on celebrity golf tournaments here in, in Wisconsin and in Las Vegas. And Carlton Fisk came to a couple of those. And, you know, he wasn't the most outgoing guy. He never seemed to be the nicest guy that I've ever met. And a lot of people would ask him about that home run. Do you remember being on the bench when he hit that and the feeling you must have had because you tied it up in the eighth, now it's the 12th, and and he hits a a game winner. Um, It had to be just a great feeling for you. Well, winning the game uh, was a, was really a highlight, uh, winning that game. But, uh, you know, it's a, it was a great game. But, you know, one of the things Mr. Yawkey owned the team, and he paid me really well, and he died uh, that year, next year, and my career died when he died. And uh, we wanted to win that World Series for Mr. Yawkey and the Boston Red Sox fans, Fenway Park is the greatest ballpark to ever play in. But, you know, there were a lot of men on that team that loved Jesus Christ. And it was Jimmy Rice, uh, Denny Doyle, and Dwight White Evans. And Rico Petroselli uh, came to know the Lord through chapel in 1975. He became a Christian. And it would have been nice if uh, I'd have went to chapel and opened my heart. And uh, but you know, God had a plan for me to struggle and go through the things I went through, and the alcohol, the drugs, and the abuse, and I went through and the life and playing as a baseball player and whatever. But when I came to the Lord, even in my rehab, I had to get back up and start. But what I realized is that the most important thing in my life is reading the Word, being in prayer. And being in church and worshiping God and hearing the word and having accountability and having an understanding how I need to live my life. So people out there, whatever you're dealing with in your life, the the only power that you can have is through Christ, from him dying in the resurrection and ascension. Uh, Jesus is the son of God, and that all who believe will have eternal life through the gospel. And for me, that's the most important thing. Uh, I don't talk a lot about baseball in my career or whatever. When people ask, I may speak about it. But most people don't know I'm a professional ex-major league baseball player who home run. Unless, you know, if I'm not talking to these young kids, they don't know who Bert Carbo is. They don't even know who the players are. They know the today, today players. So I go tell them, go ask your grandpa about me. <laughs> ask your grandpa about me. But when I work with these kids, what I really want them to understand that a professional ball player's goal is to hit 10,000 times and get 3,000 hits and you make 7,000 outs. Well, you're going to strike out 2,000 times. You're going to walk uh, 1,000 times. 500 at-bats for six years, you're not going to hit the ball. So I want these kids to realize and understand that it's okay to make an out. And that's what Hank Aaron said to me. He said, Bernie, you'll be a great hitter if you learn it's okay to make an out. And you're going to make a lot of outs. I went one for 35 and 73 with the Cardinals, got benched. One went for 35, one got benched. Jose Cruz gets hurt. I get in the lineup, and I end up hitting 286. Man. So it's how you finish this right now. When I go, when I die and go to heaven, I want God to say, good works, Bernie. Good works, Bernie. 
and you gave the gospel, you told people about Christ, you loved them where they're at, and, you know, you showed mercy and grace and gave them the gospel. And, you know, I want you to understand how important it is that no matter what what you're going through in this life, the answer is Jesus Christ. And, and, and it's just if you don't believe me, pick up a good Bible and start reading it, and you'll find the truth. It'll set you free from Genesis to Revelation. Amen. And... Uh, and it's a struggle. I tell people, you know, oh, you think you do Christ in your life, it's going to be beautiful. No, man, it's uh-huh. a war. It Satan is. is not happy with me being a Christian and being a man of God. Amen. It's and a he, struggle he, every day. Man, he did, man I'll and tell you what, when, Bernie, when I made that decision, I, I was tempted that first year more than, than ever before. Things were coming out of the woodworks, and I went to my pastor and I said, look, I didn't think this was going to be. He said, you think Satan wants to lose you? You're a good soldier. He's gonna. He's fighting for you. He wants you back. He is Bernie Carwell. We're going to get to a break. Again, Faith Baptist Church in Oak Creek. He's going to be here live. And if you're a, a, a baseball coach in Oak Creek or South Milwaukee, Racine, um, you know, Franklin, that area, and you want to bring your staff to a hitting, co- a hitting clinic put on by Bernie Carbo Wednesday, or I'm sorry, Tuesday the 17th. What you need to do is get a hold of Pastor Noonan at Faith Baptist Church, 414-301-9319. 301-9319. Again, Faith Baptist Church on South 13th Street in Oak Creek, and get a hold of Pastor Noonan, and, and bring your staff, bring a couple of players, and Bernie Carbo will put on a hitting clinic for you. That's the 17th of August, 18th of August. They have a 4.30 hitting clinic, 5.30 barbecue with Bernie, 6.30. Sit and listen to him tell his life story. He's going to have a number of copies of the book Saving Bernie Carbo, and he will sign those books for you, and that is a free event. You do not want to miss that. We're going to get to break. Other side of the break, what uniform do you think he picks? I've got what I think he's going to pick, but I don't know, man. I've been surprised with this thing a lot. We're going to find out, Bernie Carbo, if he could play one more game, what uniform does he put on? This is Faith in the Zone. On 1250 AM, The Fan. Back to Faith in the Zone, a journey on how people in sports walk in faith. Faith in the Zone is brought to you by Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin. Here are hosts Mike McGivern and Pastor Ken Keltner. Only on 1250 AM, The Fan. Because I'm just a nobody trying to tell everybody all about somebody who saved my soul. Ever since you rescued me, you gave my heart a song to sing. I'm living for the world to see nobody but Jesus. I'm living for the world to see nobody but Jesus. Moses had stage fright. And David brought a rock to a sword fight. You picked 12 outsiders nobody would have chosen and you changed the world. Well, the moral of the soul. Welcome back to Faith in the Zone on 1250 AM, The Fan. Man, I, I said early on that I was a huge Bernie Carbo fan when he was a baseball player, and you know what? A way bigger fan today. And I just, uh, the fact that he's willing to, to get up on that mountaintop and tell his story. And if you're struggling with any of the issues that, that I struggled with, that Bernie struggled with, look, you can call me here at the radio station, and I'll, I'll have that conversation with you. Um, if you want to go over and, and, and listen to, to Bernie as he talks about these struggles that, that the Lord has helped him get through, 
the the Wednesday the 18th at Faith Baptist Church in Oak Creek on South 13th Street. And again, if you want to be part of that hitting clinic on the 17th, give Pastor Noonan a call, 414-301-9319. So I love this last segment, uh, Bernie, that we do. And we started this probably four months ago, and it was kind of a one-off, but we've had a lot of fun with it. If every uniform from any sport you ever played from the time you were 11 years old until you got done playing, whatever age that was in senior leagues or whatever you got done, and I could, you could take all those uniforms, put them in a closet, and I could pull one out, and you could play one more game. Who would you play for, and who would you play against? Well, I'll give you a real funny one. Okay, was uh, fever pitch when my my uniform was in the closet. It was with the Red Sox, but that wasn't my favorite one. I have hanging up right here. What I'm looking at is number twenty five. The Cincinnati Reds, my rookie uniform, opening day, I had 35 passes, family, kids, children, my friends, uh, all just everybody was there, my whole family, everybody. And the first, uh, Joe Sparma threw me a ball, and I hit it over the center field fence for a home run. My first hit in the big leagues was a home run, and I say it was the longest home run in Crossley Field that's ever been hit. And the reason why, because I-75 ran behind center field and landed on a truck and went 1,300 miles down to Florida. (laughs) Man, might be the longest home run ever hit. That is really funny. Bernie, playing in the Muni Leagues up here after high school, I was pitching and my buddy was catching and I had a guy down 0-2. And it was just, you know, it was all guys that were like, you know, 17, 18, 19 years old. And he gave me the five. He put down five, which is me to throw a knuckleball. And I shook it off. And he put down five, and I shook it off. He put it down again. Well, I didn't really throw a knuckleball. I threw one that didn't It didn't really rotate much, but it didn't dance at all. Guy hit one at Wickfield here, <coughs> straightaway center, down the hill, and it started rolling on the freeway. And the center fielder said, look, when it gets to Illinois, it's going to have to pay a toll. I've never seen a ball hit that far. Well, you know what? Nothing like the one you hit that ended up on a truck and ended up somewhere in Florida. I I absolutely love that. Hey, Bernie, thank you so much. I I, I just can't thank you enough for your time and your willingness to come on this show. And and I can't wait. I I promised you that when you come to town, I'm going to buy you a cup of coffee. And and, and hold me to that because I'll be there. And I will, I will buy that cup of coffee and shake hands with you and hug you as a Christian brother and just say thank you. He will be at Faith Baptist Church the 17th and 18th of August. The 18th is the day. Put on your calendar. Man, head over. 8519 South 13th Street. You're going to be able to have a little dinner with them. Uh, go, do, go to the hitting clinic if you want at 430. But make sure you're there 530 to have some food. And then 630 as Bernie gets up and talks about his life story. And again, he's bringing the book Saving Bernie Carbo. And you can buy the book. He'll autograph it for free. You're going to want to be able to get in line, shake hands with Bernie, get a picture with him if you want. Uh, It's a free event. But we want to welcome him back to Milwaukee for sure and make sure that we get a lot of people over at Faith Baptist Church for that event. Bernie, thank you so much, sir. Keep, you know what? Keep doing what you're doing, brother. There's so many people that their lives you have touched with your story. So I just appreciate your time today. All right, Mike, keep the faith. Brother, keep the faith and get the gospel. That amen to that. This is Faith in the Zone on 1250 AM.
the fan. You've been listening to Faith in the Zone with hosts Mike McGivern and Pastor Ken Keltner. You can hear Faith in the Zone every Sunday at 8 a.m. and 8 p.m. To find past shows, exclusive podcasts, or to contribute with an inside tip on a guest, simply go to faithinthezone.com. Faith in the Zone is an inside look at people in sports and their walk in faith. Join us again next Sunday for Faith in the Zone, right here on 1250 AM, The Fan. I'm just a nobody, trying to tell everybody all about somebody who saved my soul. Ever since you rescued me, you gave my heart a song to sing. I'm living for the world to see nobody but Jesus. I'm living for the world to see nobody but Jesus. When Moses had stage fright, and David brought a rock to a sword fight, you picked 12 outsiders nobody would have chosen and you changed the world. Well, the moral of the story is everybody's got a T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.